Welcome to the next episode of Cumbria Events Eventing Talks podcast. I'd like to introduce my next guest who's been a great supporter of Cumbria Eventing, both as an eventer and as a volunteer over the last few years. Although I say a few years, she's not very old. Um, she is classed as an adult, um, but she has been in the eventing circuit for several years now. So I can't wait to get to know what her plans are for the season ahead and how she got into eventing. And I definitely think we'll spend some time talking about her volunteering roles because I've had the pleasure of spending a day with her in the cross country control box. So welcome to the podcast, Shan Routledge. Thank you for being my guest today. No, thank you for having me. I just to start out for our listeners. Um, so you're currently living um, near Sellafield because you work at Sellafield and you travel quite a long way to get to any motorway before you can go anywhere because yeah. I grew up just south of Sellafield at Millham and so I totally can sympathise with the journey that you have to take to get anywhere. Um, so your local events will be Cumbria because you're from Cumbria. Um, and I noticed that you have a super horse. So tell us a little bit about the horses you've got because you've got one that you're aiming to event this year but you have a few retired horses as well. And so tell us a little bit about the horses you've got at home. The first horse that I had um, that I evented was Water Cheek. So I got Charlie from Penrith um, and I was about 15 when I got her. And she was the first horse that I evented on. She, she was brilliant cross country and show jumping. It was keeping it calm was the issue. So dressage was horrific for me. Um, and I sort of got to a Days with her and just knew the dressage was never going to get me anywhere for eventing um, and so I thought I want something just a little bit more all round um, so I'll start looking for something else to sort of come up behind her and as we started looking she went lame and then I got a sound and she started to lose her sight um, so she's got cataracts um, and but obviously because she'd had some issues with lameness it was the cost of getting the cataracts sorted and she was already 18 or 19 at the time. Um, so we just decided you can have a nice happy life in the field. So that's what she's doing now. And that just sort of left me looking for something to event because it was supposed to come up behind. And as always, it just didn't work out at all. So that's when I got that's when I got Safari. Um, so I got a Safari from um, Emma McIntyre over in um, over at the northeast. Um, who's originally from Ireland and yeah lovely fella and produces lovely horses as well. Cool so you've had Safari now for a few years um, so I see you started eventing in 2018? Yeah so um, I in like winter time just before and that was my first season with her. And you've produced her because you'd never done eventing before then? No so she was a five-year-old when I got her um, and she'd done, a, she'd done Valley Young Event Horse and been placed at Richmond um, but that was all she'd done. Um, so that was her first time out eventing with me. Yeah, and I was only about eight or I'll have been 18 at the time. Oh, and I see you have been um, lucky enough to get several like top 10 placings with her, um, including winning. That's like the ultimate, isn't it? Just winning a section keeps you going for years in the eventing world. Um, but you've done a few yeah. Regional finals and things as well, haven't you, with her? Yeah, I have. Um, she's she's such a, a cool dude. I've just had her at Summerford a couple of weeks ago, and you take her somewhere new, and she's just like, "Oh yeah, we're here again," and and we're out doing some jumping, and she's not bothered. She's so calm. Um, so obviously that works to my advantage for the dressage. 
Um, I always say I think she's the only horse I've had that you come down the centre line and it's like she's sitting in a hammock on a beach somewhere <laughs> and you have to like start kicking <laughs> her down the centre line instead of the other way. So, um, so yeah, no, she's and I've been I've been really lucky with some of the scores I've had. Um, she's you know she's blown us away at times. We've had some like really sub twenty, well below twenty dressage tests. Oh, how I love that. an achievement. <laughs> <laughs> and so what's your plans for this year with her? Because you mentioned uh, when we had a brief chat before we started that she has had an injury. So this year's the pressure's off. But what are your plans for the season ahead? Um, well, last year, she just, um, we took her to Burgeon. And after Burgeon, she was just jumping funny. She was jumping to the one side slightly. And I just said, this isn't right. Um, so we took her through to Frame and Swift at Penry. Um, and they were brilliant with a um, nail frame, scanned a back suspensory ligament straight away. And he said the tendon had just started to fatten, so we were we were really really like lucky catching it so early. Um, it was a minor strain, um, so he said it would just feel like a, having a tight hamstring for us. Um, so he said ten weeks walk work, you know, sort of pushing her on, making sure she doesn't get lazy with it. And we were back. We sort of brought her back into work in November last year, um, and she's she's back going. So that's the first time I've sort of had an injury like that, and and had had. I think I know how she did it, but you can't guarantee it wasn't hard ground and it wasn't something that she's done at an event or jumped funny. So so to just keep her sound this year would be an achievement. Um, but hopefully we're fetching her out at 100 at North Allerton on Saturday. Um, the stress over having a horse that's not right. You just wish they could tell you what was going on, couldn't you? Like when you know yeah. there's something not right, even if they're jumping, you just in your gut, you're thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, I, like, I just don't know if they're feeling okay. And you want to convince yourself that they're actually okay. Um, yeah. So how did you feel when you found out that it was it was not horrific news um but it's still pretty bad and something you actually if you're not as you say you're not used to dealing with how did you yeah. feel about that and how did you like manage it i think i think my mindset really helped i planned for worst case scenario um so in the back of my mind i'd already we went to at the time we went down to burley horse trials and i insisted that we went and watched the stallion parade because it, it's maybe a good point on my mum. My mum's always had us buy mares because if if they did sustain an injury, they have have that ability as long as it's not genetic yeah. to have a fall. They can have a, a, a different use sort of in life. Um, so yeah, while we were down at Burley, I was determined that we would go and watch the stallion parade. So we were sat there picking out stallions for if it all went horrifically wrong. Um, and so I think having that mindset sort of then when they said, "Oh, you can start walking for ten weeks." I was like, well, that's that's way more than I ever expected or, or planned for. So anything was was a bonus just because I've I probably was a bit negative at the time. So you're a slightly pessimistic person yeah. then. <laughs> I don't I think it's a bad thing with horses. <laughs> no. How do you manage that? How do you cope with that at an event though? If that's how you are though, you know. Um, I, Honestly, every year, I think it's specifically since COVID, but it might have been going on since then. Every year when I come out at the beginning of the season, I always have like a crisis of confidence at about January, February. And I feel like I don't know how to ride anymore. 
um like I just I just I, yeah I just I just in my head I just can't do it at all and eventually I work through it and every year my dad says to me Sean you were here 12 months ago like you work through it and eventually get there so so and once I get into the rhythm of the season I'm actually all right and I pick up my rhythm and I'm like right I know what I'm doing and yeah you just flow from one event to the other but I any form of break or or time of not riding and it's almost like it just sets me back again and I have to start again and just work through that process mentally more than anything. So it's interesting you say that because actually that is hugely like the thing that is a big thing for many riders and many many listeners actually I'm sure they'll be able to be like oh my god I'm totally in the same boat like um because I'm the same I'm a fairly confident rider but if I have any time off I come yeah. back into riding and then I'm like oh my goodness I can't even get my horse to canter like what is going on um, yeah. and it's funny because you know I get I get lack of motivation I get a bit demoralized about things I sort of feel like winter's a long cold time isn't it and then yeah. you start riding again and sometimes I don't know if you're the same but sometimes you have to force yourself to do it so you be you could easily just go ah, I'm not ready to go out now yeah. I'm just not going to do it until everything's perfect. Whereas actually the best thing you can do is go, I'm just going to go and have fun and do something that's easy, but I'm going to force myself to do it. So do you find that you have to do that as well? Yeah, I often try and do something like build a grid where I don't have to actually, I have to get the horse to the first fence. And then after that, it's just me and her working together. And, and so that's how I tend to spend a lot of my winters, just building myself different types of grids. I like to watch... And our Hollywood head posts a lot of different grids that she does and Laura Collette. And I just thought I'd watch these videos and think, right, I build that because it, you know, I just, I can set her up, I can get her to the first fence. And then after that, it, it just gives me that confidence that I can then go, right, I can now jump two fences and I can canter in between them. And, and I just thought I'd build it up that way. But yeah, grids are a really good thing for me um, just, to, just to help us both get our mind and our feel back in. That's a really good suggestion, actually. Like, I, it's funny because I, I don't do a lot of grid work. I do a lot of pole work, but actually, yeah. I can't canter over a pole to save myself. Um, you know, I generally I trip over them. Um, so you've been to lots of the Cumbria events um, over the years, haven't you? And so I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to pick your favourite. Which one do you like the best? Warwick has just so much. It's it's a lovely flat track. Um, so. Although Douglas likes to challenge us at these events, um, it, if you want to give your horse a good run out at a level above, I think it's a good one to go for just because you don't, don't have to worry about pushing them as much compared to French field. Um, yeah, and, and it's just lovely, especially when they send you around the wood and you get to ride alongside the river. It's very it's a very scenic place, Warwick. Um, I, I think that would have to be have to be my favourite, but. Even then, with French Field, you have a lovely view over the Lake District. So again, it's scenic and, and and that challenge of the hills. I actually quite like a hilly track because where we live, right on the coast, so all of my hacking's up the cliffs. Um, so that's why I end up doing my my fast work. So I tend to find that a hill's not always a bad thing for us because that is what we train on. Um, but yeah, no, it is that they, they are such well-run events. It is it is hard to pick between them. I would agree actually I think Warwick is a is my favorite I think they're both very different venues um 
Frenchfield's a nice one because it, it does have the hill, as you say. And it is a bit different because you jump through the like the dry stone walls and yeah. stuff. And that's a little yeah. bit unusual because you don't really get that anywhere else. Um, but Warwick, I think, I mean, I've always found the show jumping wherever you go. The show jumping is always like a really good attacking course. You have to really ride them. Um, yeah, John, John does like like his courses. <laughs> he likes building nice, like, as long as you attack them, I think, and ride strongly, it rides, it rides really well. So, yeah. Um, but you've also, as well as riding at the events, you've also done a lot of volunteering. So let's have a wee chat about your volunteering role. So where did you first, what did you first do? Because you've been volunteering now for quite a few years. So what did yeah. you start out doing? So I think I probably, I probably got it. My mum and dad have been very, were always very heavily involved in Pony Club when I was part of Pony Club. Um, so we've always, volunteering's always been sort of, expected and we've always they've always been very good at giving up their time so i've had that that in the background that has been a good a good example for me um so we started at i think frenchfield but i could be wrong and my mum and dad offered to volunteer i could be completely wrong here but i'm sure my mum and dad offered to volunteer and then and I said I would go as well. And there was short, somebody was short and didn't have a partner. So I ended up sat with this lovely lady for the day and we got brought tea and coffee. And because it was somebody new, we just sat and had a, a conversation all day and got to know each other. And and yeah, it was just, it, it was, it was the weather wasn't particularly nice. I think it was a bit of a, a cloudy day, but that's Cumbria for you. Um, but yeah, we, we just had a lovely conversation. We got plenty of tea and coffee and and I really enjoyed it. And I'm sure from that point onwards, my mum and dad just started saying, right, well, yeah, we'll we'll give up our time for the events throughout the year. And they're really good with us. We can just say like, right, well, we'll compete in Safari that day. So we'll do the other day. Um, so I started, I started going with my mum and dad when they were fence judging. And they'd often, no, Lucinda would often give us like a few fences, like especially if it was like the water or sometimes the ditch combinations, fences where there was often a problem. Um, but my mum and dad became pros at that and they didn't really need me anymore. Um, I would just end up sunbathing and having a great time, eating all the cake and drinking the coffee. So eventually I said to Lucinda, like, I would quite like to have a go at control. Like I find that quite interesting. So I started, I had a little bit of time on the start box. So I got to start people and have a go at all the timings. And then I got put in control and everybody said I was crazy being asked to be put in control because they're all mad in there. But yeah, they're such a lovely bunch of women and we have such a laugh together. And it, it's definitely, I think they all call it girl power now because we do, we run it quite a tight ship in there. And, and I started and yeah, I've just, done it ever since and i had um I, I mean i've spent the day with you um doing yeah. in control because i came along one day to commentate um and ended up uh, sitting in the in the box for the day and i actually sat next to you um because the the advancements of control now is that you sit with these two great big screens in front of you and you have to do yeah. all of the you have to do all of the um, scoring of like what time, you know, the times and everything and yeah. make sure that we know where everyone's on course because yeah. um, in case of a medical emergency or a veterinary emergency and the course is held, we need to know where the riders are. So there's plotting that goes on um, yeah. and then there's commentating and then there's the cross-country controller who is the in charge of everything. And the thing that I find amazing about that 
is that one minute you can be all having a happy banter and then the second something happens it's like you know action stations you're just literally like this like this this change of um facial expression when you hear something and then the control of like organizing who's where who's doing what have we stopped the course are we going to do this third rider stop that rider fence eight are you in stop this rider like it's just like amazing clockwork isn't it it is it is i remember somebody coming into the control box at warwick last year and um, it was a friend of ours and she sat there and she said i can't believe how much you do in here and it, and it is there is so much to do i always say if i've if i've got a moment to spare in that control box i haven't done something that's why it's because I've, I've missed something and i should be doing something else it just doesn't happen you don't unless we're on a course changeover that is the only point where you get to go for a wee and <laughs> everything like it all happens at once <laughs> and sometimes it's boiling hot and other yeah. times you're just like pleased that you're actually inside because it's raining outside and everyone's soaking wet but yeah. You don't you don't actually don't get so from a commentator's point of view and plotting and stuff, you don't get to see an awful lot actually, do yeah. you? Like for you. The controller does because they have the windows. But you sit behind these two whopping great big screens now. Yeah. You see nothing and, and yet no. you'll give up a day to do it, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is it is. It takes a it takes a lot of brain power. You start putting numbers in all day and and especially, you know, things that you have to get it right. Um, if we stop somebody on course, we'll take your stop start and your start, your start time, um, and we'll calculate what it's taken. And and yeah, it's a, them things you can't get it wrong because, you know, you could you could either have somebody could either have a good day or a bad day depending on how right you get it. So, so yeah, but and they're all good at keeping you right. The amount of times I'll get a a message on the radio saying can you check this score and i've given somebody like 400 penalties on the cross country and i'm like no that's definitely not right i'll fix it but it is it's just because we're dealing with that many numbers and it it takes that much brain power throughout the day um, i mean that's like human error isn't it and that's why it, like not only there's you but there's also like tanya in like hidden behind the corner of the tent uh, yeah. she does all the scoring and all other yeah. people is there a yeah. role that you haven't done that you quite fancy doing? Uh, yeah, there's, I haven't been involved in the dressage. Um, I've offered to write for people in dressage because I always think that's quite interesting sat with somebody and just seeing, seeing it from that end of the arena, what they see and why they've marked things that way. Um, I once went to a, a dressage judging day as a rider just to sit and listen to what a dressage judge was scoring and they, they played videos for you and they said, like, what would you score it? and and then they would tell you what they would score it, and I do, I do find that interesting because especially, especially now it is becoming a bit of a shame. But it all seems to rely on your dressage score these days with eventing. Um, and although, although we need to keep the challenge there of the show jumping and the cross country, I am also up for the challenge of how low of a score can I get with the the dressage? Like I do enjoy the dressage phase, which. I know a lot of people don't, but um, I do. And... <laughs> <I don't. laughs> no, and I don't at the time, but like I do, I do enjoy trying to better myself in that in that phase and think like I'll go around a dressage test and I'll be like, right, I did, I need to do that better next time, and just that continuous improvement. Um, I do enjoy it, but yeah, I understand that a lot of people don't. <laughs> You'd probably be a really good dressage judge in the future, actually. We were talking earlier about you did, you joined Pony Club and then you, you've been in Pony Club for several years. So you were in yep. 
Um, which Ponypool were you in? Remind me. I was in Wyndham. Wyndham Ponypool, that's it. But you went yeah. right through all of the tests, didn't you? You've done right the way through to your AH. Yeah, I did my AH, which is like the care side of the higher exam. Yeah. So that's um, pretty. That's pretty high level. Like. You can probably transfer that over and into some, um, you know, BE, BD judging in the future. Yeah, I do remember riding a dressage test at Warwick the weekend before I did my AH, the AH test. There was so much going through my mind at the time. And I remember coming down the, 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 the long side and I was that busy thinking about ivermectin and worms that I realised I should have been going across the arena and I was <laughs> like, oh, we need to turn now. And I got marked down on it and I, afterwards I was like, that's because I was thinking about worming routines and red worms and all of, yeah, there was so much to think about during my AH, yeah. It was, that's, it. That's pretty cool actually doing your AH. I'm, yeah. I'm well impressed. I did my BHS stages um, just because I was interested in it, but um, I think it's just really nice to do something that's, it, you don't have to do it to be able to do it as a job. You can do it for your own interest. Yeah, so. yeah, no, it, it's something that nah, I cherish it now. Um, even I, I used to work with horses and I, I don't anymore, but I'm, I am happy that I did it. It, it gives you such a, a base knowledge of of horses and, and the care for them. And you, you cover so much within it. And I, I actually think the, um, the exam itself is recognised all over the world just because you know, the A test and the AH test with Pony Club are, are known as very difficult exams. Um, if you can say you've done it, it is recognised everywhere. So if, if anybody is listening and is in Pony Club, you know, get it done. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually really good advice, get it done, because um, if you're in Pony Club and you get the opportunity to do it, it's yeah. fab because actually trying to do your BHS stages like I am, oh, I've not done them now, but like I was doing at the time, which was just full time. Um, I had my, I, you know, I, have, I, I was, um, I had a mortgage. I like, I had to work full time. It's like fitting it in when you're a bit older and you've got all these other responsibilities as well. You know, if you're in Pony Club and you're being supported by family as well, and you can do your B test and your your eight, you know, your D, C, B, A. Um, get try and do as many as you can because nowadays I think the BHS stages also transfer them over. Yeah, they do. I think they've just brought it. I know at air test it got you to your stage three, um, but I think they've just brought it in at C test. So I think C test gets you into a, a stage two. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, they have just brought it in. Yeah, so definitely good advice. Get it done. <laughs> and then at Pony, so what made you become an eventer? So did you do it at Pony Club? Or did you actually just come along to an event one day? No, um, I, I did a couple of like hunter trials at Pony Club, but all of my friends evented. So that's mainly why I did it. It was like the in thing at the time was that you went eventing. Um, and then I didn't realise how addictive it would be and how much money it would cost. So, <laughs> But we're here now, so we might as well carry on. <laughs> It's so expensive, isn't it? But, it is. Yeah. Horses <laughs> in general. And what other planned events are you aiming for? And like in the long term, like what's your what's your future sort of penciled ambition you've got from her? So every year I start off by penciling in all the Cumbria Horse Trials events, which they'll be very happy to hear me say. <laughs> um, 
and then after that I sort of work around what what there is and when there is so I try and do two events a month um, mainly from a cost point of view it's about what I can afford um, and we try and sort of travel away every every other event um, because we are an hour away from a motorway so you've got an hour's diesel before you even start getting anywhere if you, if you try and travel away um, so it, it gets it gets expensive um, the further we travel. Entered for Breckenbra. Oh, yeah. Um, I then aim in for Richmond, Laws, and then Frenchfield, and that's about as far as I've got so far. We, it, part of it is just playing it by ear. With the weather and horses, I always sort of think, like, right, what, what entries do I have to put in now? And then think, what was I going to enter? Um, but I do, I always put my Cumbria horse trials, because they're my local events, they're always my priority. And then I just sort of work everything else around that. So we'll start with a hundred and then we'll we'll see. Um, I might, I'd, I've always wanted to go novice with her. She's a very sensitive mare. Um, everyone says that she, her breeding lines, she's got, she's an Atlantic horse, um, Atlantic breeding, but She's basically Cavalier Royale bred on one side and Darko bred on the other side. Oh, yeah. um, so she's very sensitive, which I believe is in the breeding. So if you get it wrong, she punishes you for it for a long time. <laughs> um, so, so you just sort of have to see how, see how we get on. Um, last year, I broke my ankle last year at the beginning of the season. I got a week away from North Allerton, which was my first event, and I took the dog up a fell in the Lake District and on my way back down I slipped um, and I snapped the end of my fibula in half um, so that knocked me back six weeks. Thankfully it didn't display so I could still walk on it um, and I think since then with getting older and not being 17 anymore I, I've actually become quite like risk averse um, like I've realised life hurts um, and and the, yeah, you can get injured. Um, so it sort of took some of the bravery away from me as I'm as I'm getting a that little bit older. And so last year, I I don't think I, I struggled to make the time, and I think it is because I just had that handbrake on. I think I was thinking I've already broken my ankle, and I don't want to get hurt again. Um, so this year, it'll definitely be to work through that to start off with, and then if we get there, maybe try a novice and. Maybe even aim for the one star at Warwick because we we have a one star at Warwick this year. We do. I'm very excited about the one star. <laughs> I actually feel um, like I helped in the process of getting it because <laughs> I did the survey to try and get riders to say whether they would come, and then hopefully that was what encouraged uh, BE to agree to allow it to happen. So yeah. I, I feel like I've I played a small part in the one star <laughs> coming to Warwick, but. I, uh, I'm very excited to see how your your season pans out and um, and everything that goes on. And I do hope you end up going to do the Warwick um, one star because I think I think you'd be brilliant at it, and I think um, you'd be a, a team to to really challenge those in the section. So it'd be really nice to see you there actually. And I hope actually at some point I spend some another day with you in the in the cross country control yeah. box. If yeah, if I'm not on the horse, that is where you will find me. <laughs> so if anyone's listening and they'd like to come and say hello, do do pop your head round to control or or actually if you are somebody who's never volunteered before, um then definitely give it a go because I think as Sean said 
there's lots of different roles that you can do and you started out doing fence judging and fence judging is such a really nice step into doing volunteering isn't it so it is, yeah yeah it i really is. i think i would recommend it to anyone but yeah um as a we're just kind of wrapping up now but as a um unfortunately coming to the end of the episode but um just as a last thing like what would you advise um young riders uh because you're only just out of being a young rider so what would you advise young riders as a uh something for them to do for to help them improve their transition into eventing or getting out there and and um and and going for whatever um plans they have really is there anything that you would say to help motivate you know you never you never stop learning um especially with horses you never stop learning um and volunteering has that to be one of the biggest learning curves i have i know i'm probably we're, we're plugging it so much aren't we now um, it gives you a great insight i remember when i was about helping people and in fact it's actually probably more tiring than being on on board the horse like they follow you around the, the amount of miles they must put in so to start off, we'd be thankful for anybody that's on the ground, whether they're helping you or volunteering. Um, and if you can get into volunteering, do it. Um, I've been on some brilliant days where I've gone on course walks for the um, like the CPD CPD days for the co the eventing coaches. I've always booked myself onto them. I know Douglas does them the course walks um, and just go and see fences from somebody else's position. And the fence judging does that for you as well. And, and when I do get to look up from my screen on cross, um, on control, you can see it wherever you sat. You can watch a number of horses go through and, and watch how other people ride and, and see how you can learn from it. Um, so yeah, anyone coming up, if if you want that extra insight, volunteering is a, is a brilliant way to get it. And I have to say that Douglas is um, very grateful for all the volunteering that you do because he mentioned that to me when I said you were coming <laughs> on the show. So he was like, yes, she's so good at volunteering. Um, so yeah, it's great. And I think that's really good advice actually for, for anybody. And actually, um, I think that's a good thing about parents as well. Like your parents, not only are they helping you on the ground, but they're probably also nervous, nervous, worrying, making sure that you come through the finish as well. But um, yeah, volunteers. I, I couldn't live without my helpers on the ground, to be honest, these days. I've done it on my own a few times, but having yeah. just that extra person to like, when you're feeling a bit nervous, to be like, yeah. do you want some juice? It's fine. I'll go and get you a cup of tea, you know, <laughs> just to help keep your brain in gear. But um, So anyway, I have to probably wrap it up now, but I could probably carry on talking to you for ages. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on. It is fantastic to have a chat with you and I properly meet you on this podcast. Yeah. Um, I wish you absolutely all the best of luck for the season ahead. I look forward to seeing you at Warwick in the One Star. <laughs> I have every faith that you'll get there. Um, and also I'll see you at, at one of the events and I definitely owe you a hot chocolate so, um, okay. for coming on the show. So thank you very much. Yeah. And um, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. So um, to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, if you are interested in what goes on in the world of Cumbria events, then do head over to their eventing um, website where you can find out all of the dates of so and everything that they have planned. If you want to volunteer, get in touch. You only have to ask the question and you'll be welcomed with open arms. Um, but thank you very much for listening. If you don't want to miss an episode, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you very much. Bye.